Thank you. You know, one time I'm going to get the key, the pitch of that reverb, and we're going to use that to start a song. Oh, oh, oh. Um, good morning. Um, this is Miracle Month. I oh hey Mark's got like uh, uh, outlines our, our class uh, uh, handouts for today. Miracle Month is um, something that I have very mixed feelings about. There's part of me that's very excited because I go to church here and we're to be excited about Miracle Month. There's part of me that's very reticent because what Miracle Month is designed to be is a month where we maximize more than any other our May Sunday school attendance. So in other words, if you show up, um, we look real good. If you don't, then they think, man, Lanier must really be messing up that class because... Even in Miracle Month, his miracle, like, bites. So, if you see fit to come again next week and the week after and the week after, um, I'll be here. I'm, I'm bringing street people. Uh, anybody you can bring uh, uh, would be wonderful. May 18th, what a wonderful time for the picnic to fall. Um, uh, bring uh, everyone that you can think of. Bring the your... your Bring the street people that you pass on your way to church. Uh, bring your families. Bring your, your in-laws. Bring your outlaws. Bring any law you can. Um, uh, uh, and um, um, it would be appreciated um, by me. Okay, uh, now enough of that. Let's um, talk about the lesson. Last week, uh, Becky and I were not allowed to be here because of scheduling, and I apologize to every one of you. It was a tough uh, uh, situation for us. Um, uh, I'd love to say we were out goofing off, um, but we, we had a pretty hectic couple of days. Uh, uh, I had to give a, a speech Monday morning in London, and then we had to attend a dinner Monday afternoon or evening in New York City, and then Tuesday morning had to start a trial in Angleton, Texas. So we, we pretty much were going without sleep for a couple of days there. It did not enable us to be here, and I apologize. Uh, the nice thing about uh, uh, my law firm is uh, we've got people who can do just about anything there, uh, and I asked uh, Wade Liberator and, and Lewis if it would be okay if Edward came and taught. I, if I have not warned you, uh, to listen to Edward teach is roughly the equivalent of trying to drink out of a fire hydrant. Um, <laughs> You know, you just kind of put your mouth down there, and it's just, that water just keeps pelting you. But he had an absolute ball. He had a great time, and he was uh, just tickled pink uh, at the reception that y'all gave him. And to, to me, y'all are part of my extended family, and so it made me really proud to be made me really proud to be able to go back to to work and to to hear. Uh, with what love and graciousness y'all received, Edward. Um, uh, I feel kind of bad that I had him teach the first 19 chapters of Genesis because I, I, I understand uh, while um, uh, Becky and I were, were flying on a very fast airplane across the Atlantic, y'all were flying even faster <laughs> on air fudge. Um, 
We are dealing with biblical literacy, and today we are um, looking at Exodus, and I want to pick up a little bit of what Edward left out, you know, Edward, and uh, uh, <laughs> then I want to uh, deal with the Ten Commandments today. So today's like two lessons. This is, this is neat. Number one, it's like a twofer, okay? You come in here one time, you get two classes out of the way. All right. That does not excuse you from coming for the rest of Miracle May. Okay. But maybe it does mean that, Robert, as we do the attendance, we can multiply it by two. Because really, this is a double Sunday school lesson. So that's one benefit. Another benefit of this is um, if you, like, get really bored with the first half, I'll tell you, you go on to sleep and I'll wake you up for the second half and you still get a Sunday school credit. So it all works out. Um, uh, the context, I do this just, it doesn't matter today that much, but I want us always thinking context when we think Scripture. We always need to understand that no Scripture is an isolated part by itself. It's not just one bite. It's part of a meal. And while we may savor the one bite, we need to recognize what the whole meal is and get ourselves tuned in to always asking that. So we're reminded that Genesis gave us the background, gave us the need for the kingdom of God, told us about the prophecies of how the kingdom of God would be coming. Exodus is the second book of Moses where the kingdom of God is actually established and we walk through it in its Old Testament form. Now we emphasize in its Old Testament form because as Edward shared with you last week, everything that you see in the Old Testament here finds its true fulfillment in Jesus Christ and the ultimate kingdom of God. The Old Testament is just a, an archetype. It's interesting, I had a, a, a spent a couple of days this week with a New York Times reporter. Um, he is a, a Jewish and uh, was, was coming down for a variety of reasons, and, and uh, uh, one of which involved kind of trailing me. And uh, uh, he, he, he said, you know, I, first of all, I think he's intrigued that you can be a, a plaintiff's lawyer and still have a soul. And I, I frankly, I always thought it was the other way around. And uh, uh, no, that's inside joke for me and Mike Moriarty um, and John Devine. And uh, um, he, I think he was also intrigued at the idea that you could be a lawyer and have a family. And he also had an indication that, that we're active at church. And I think that intrigued him as well. And so he's following me around and uh, he wants to come over to our house to eat dinner. Well, um, I know tort law, and I couldn't afford to let him eat Becky's cooking because <laughs> there, I, I'm sure that's actionable in some courts. And uh, so instead, we, uh, uh, no, actually that night, uh, uh, Rachel, our, our daughter in, in seventh grade, was singing uh, in her church program. So he, he says, or in her Christian school um, uh, choir program. Well, he wants to go. So I said to him, I said, now you're Jewish, right? And we'd had these conversations for two and a half days so far. And he said, yes. And I said, well, when was the last time you went in a church? And he said, well, I, I don't know that I've ever really been in a church. I said, well, fasten your seatbelt, buddy, because this is not like anything you've ever had before. And I brought him in. And it was intriguing for me to spend the week talking to him. And while he's not here today, uh, uh, he's already gotten today's Sunday school lesson. And we discussed that as well. Um, uh, and, and it's wonderful for him, for me to be able to explain to him that the things 
that he, he says, why are you teaching Exodus in a Christian church? And I said, because the things we read about there foreshadow the realities that we see and we believe we found in Jesus Christ and his church. And I said, while you read in the Old Testament about Israel as the, the nation, the children of Abraham, the Christian belief is, is that the church... And by this, I mean the big Catholic church, not the Baptist, not the, you know, but the, the kingdom of God, okay? The church, and, and I should also add, when I say the big Catholic church, I don't mean in a denominational sense, the Catholic church. I mean in the sense that Catholic is used as universal. The universal church, which is going to include people in all sorts of different denominations, okay? But the universal church is uh, we are the children of Abraham, not by DNA, but by faith. See, what made Abraham unique in Genesis is his belief in God. He trusted God, and that was counted to him as righteousness. We who believe in God and in Jesus Christ are his children. We're the true Israel, if you will, the true kingdom of God. So, as we get in this... We are going to take a digression for a moment and look at Exodus 3, verse 4. If you've got that, open up your Bibles, please. It's not hard to find Genesis, Exodus. It's right there. Number two, book number... No one will forget Genesis is the first book of the Bible after this class. We spent, what, a year there? Okay. Um, Exodus, chapter 3, verse 4. Get your pen out if you've got one. And look at this verse. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. That's Moses, by the way, is the he there. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God, this is the burning bush. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Okay. Now, the reason I want to pause here for a moment is this is biblical literacy. And this is a great verse to learn some biblical literacy from. This is a great chapter to learn some biblical literacy from. The biblical literacy we're going to learn, look at this verse for a moment. And you can see it in your Bible, but you can see it up on the screen. And this is the New International Version that we've got up here. When the Lord... Look at the way that's written. It's got like a capital L for Lord. And then instead of like a little O and a little R and a little D, it's got little capitals. You see that? I don't know if you've ever noticed that in your Bible or not. Sometimes it's done that way. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes um, uh, you'll, you'll look at the word Lord and uh, sometimes Lord is written L-O-R-D and sometimes Lord is written L-O-R-D. And then you've got God over there too. See God right there? Yeah, I've, I'll tell you what I've done. Let's see. Um, Lord, God, can y'all, I don't know if that red shows up out there or not. It does? Okay, so you know, what's going on here? Did they like mess up? Can we call them and get a discount on our Bible because of the typos? They, they, they seem to have made some mistakes here. Well, no, they did not. They did not. There are some various Hebrew words that are being used here. And um, the first we're going to look at, let me see if I can go over to the Elmo here. Um, see if this shows up. Um, the L, okay? 
E-L. L is a Hebrew word for God. Say L. 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 That's God. See, you all speak some Hebrew. Um, L is a Hebrew word for God. Now, it's singular. By that we mean it's, it's one God. If in English we want to make a, a singular noun, plural, or more than one, what do we add? S. Or sometimes ES, if it's got like the need. Um, so in, in English, we add S to make a plural, right? In Hebrew, you don't add an S. What you add depends on whether it's masculine or feminine, okay? And if it's masculine, you add, usually, an I-M in Hebrew. Okay, you with me so far? This is Hebrew class for a little bit this morning. So, who, who knows the Hebrew word for an angel? There are different Hebrew words, different kinds of angels. Give me a, an angel. Cherub. Very good. In fact, we often talk about a cute kid as having a cherubic face, right? Because it's like an angel. Ik means like. So it's like a cherub, like an angel. A cherub. All right. Now, if you want to make that plural, you got a bunch of cherubs around in your Hebrew. How are you going to do it? Cherubim. See, that makes it plural. Now you got a bunch of cherubs. What's another Hebrew angel? Seraph. You got you a seraph, you got you an angel. How about if you got a bunch of seraphs? Seraphim. You heard those words before? The I am is the plural. Okay? Um, um, the song, Holy, Holy, Holy. Those of you who grew up with that song, it's got a middle verse. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before him. Are you the something? God over all and blessed trinity, something like that. But the cherubim and seraphim, that's based on the, the book of Revelation where the angels are falling down before God, okay? Cherubim, that makes it plural. Seraphim, that makes it plural. Well, if you take L and you want to make that plural, you'd think it'd be Elhim or Elim, but it's not. They add a couple letters like sometimes we have to add an E before the S, and it becomes Elohim. And that's the plural form of God. Okay? You with me? Now, technically, you should say gods when you see that, maybe, because it's plural. But that's not the way it happens. Because, let's go back to the laptop. Um, Elohim itself is a plural form of El. It's the same thing. It means God. And, and while it's plural in form, it being Elohim, Elohim is plural in form, the meaning is always singular. And you see that within Scripture. Now, uh, lots of Bible scholars uh, uh, have, have probed this and tried to understand it. And there are several different views as to why the Bible could use Elohim, a plural form of God. When it's talking about the one God, if scripture in, in Hebrew writing is clear about anything, Deuteronomy 6, 4 is the Shema, which a good Hebrew would say on a daily basis. 
And, and it's the idea, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. And the idea that there is one God is, is very clear in Scripture. We as Christians are not polytheists. We don't believe in numbers of gods. Um, now, some Bible scholars say the fact that Elohim is being used in Scripture is an indication, uh, a kind of a leftover from, from the language of the Hebrews from when the Hebrews worshipped lots of gods. Nah, I don't buy that. Some folks also say, well, in this, we see the idea of the Trinity. God has taken a word that's plural for God and used it as a singular. And so, even though God is one, in God we find multiple parts. Well, that's possible. Um, uh, Scripture doesn't make that clear, but uh, uh, that's a possible understanding. There is a third alternative that I think clearly is at least part of the story. And that is in Hebrew, there is a plural of majesty. When you're talking about something that's so grand and so great, in a sense it can't be held by the singular, then you can use the plural. And that's what we have here. It's not saying that there are multiple gods. It's saying when it uses Elohim for God, it's saying that there is one God who is so majestic that he merits a fuller word than a simple singular. So, for example, if we look back and remember Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word there is Elohim, the plural form, the majestic. So, God so majestic, He created the heavens and the earth. If we continue to read down and read Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our image. And that's, that shows the plural being used there. God said, let us make man in our image. And uh, uh, in the image of God, he made them. Um, now, if we get back to uh, uh, verse 4 of, uh, let's go back here. Yeah, Exodus 3, verse 4. This word God, like that, that's the word Elohim. Okay? You're going to see, when you see in your Hebrew Old Testament, remember now, Old Testament's written in Hebrew. New Testament's written in Greek. This rule doesn't apply when you read in your New Testament. This rule applies when you read in your Old Testament. When you read your Old Testament, you see the word God, you've got that Hebrew word, either El or Elohim. And that's what the writers translate God. Now, there is another word in Hebrew for Lord called Adonai. Have you heard that word before? If you listen to old Amy Grant, she had a song, El Shaddai. El means God. Shaddai means Almighty. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El El Yon. El there is God again. El Yon is Most High. El El Yon. Na Adonai. Na means our, my, God, Lord, Adonai, my Lord. Adonai means Lord. And um, uh, um, if we were writing in Hebrew, we would write it. Uh, uh, I don't, I've got a few people in here who, who read a little bit of Hebrew, but it's going to be, that's the, the, when you're writing fast Hebrew, uh, uh, that's the A or the Aleph. Um, Adonai, whoops, Donai. And um, Adonai means Lord. But it means it in the sense of a title, like uh, uh, um, a servant might say to their master, 
Lord. We call him Adonai. So Lord here means a title, uh, uh, like if we were in the Middle Ages and you're a serf or something like that, and the Lord of the manor comes home, you would call him my Lord. You, if you were going to use Hebrew, you would say uh, uh, Adonai for Lord. Uh, Na Adonai, my Lord. Okay? You all with me so far? Now, when in, in uh, the Bible, when, when the translators come across this Hebrew word Adonai, which is a title of Lord, they translate it um, with L-O-R-D, and the O-R-D is in lowercase letters. Okay? That's just the general word for Lord, the title Lord. Okay? Is everybody sort of with me? Haven't lost you yet. So we've got the word for God is typically El or Elohim. The word for Lord with all lowercase letters is Adonai. It just is a title. Okay? But then on top of that, or Lord in sense of title or position, we have this other bizarre thing in the Hebrew language. Yod, hey, vav, hey. Yahweh. Those are the letters. Um, in Hebrew, uh, um, and I could put the Hebrew into PowerPoint, but I don't have uh, the knowledge of how to get it to do little Hebrew letters. My Hebrew keyboard just isn't there. Um, but Yod um, is, uh, uh, it's, it originally was the fist on top of a hand. It, it looks like something we wind up dotting our I's or J's with. In fact, uh, the Latin letter that comes from this is either the letter Y, uh, which is the sound, or more likely the letter J. And you know how J's often have a, a, you know, any, a dot at the top? Okay, that's the dot. Okay, so you've got Yod, and then you've got a Hebrew letter called a He, um, um, which is our H. Okay, and then you've got the Hebrew letter Vav, which is either our V or our W, depending on what you want to call it. Then you've got another hey. So you put it together, you've got Y or J, H, W or V, H. Sort of. Looks like a chemistry formula. It looks like that's, that's salt. No. Um, uh, <laughs> My 8th grade daughter could do this mathematic equation and graph this baby in about three minutes. No. Um, the, we don't write backwards, uh, generally. We write forwards. So we're going to have Y... Oops, forgot the H. H-W-H. Okay. This is a weird word. This, uh, I'm going to tell you why this is a weird word. This is, this is worthy of a few moments of our time. We're going to do the Ten Commandments real fast. Don't panic looking at your watch. I mean, it's basically don't do these ten things. Boom, we're out. Okay. Um, and I mean, it's not like rocket science either. Don't commit adultery. Really? Okay. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to make it through those. Um, but this, this is worthy of some attention for a moment because th- this is part of biblical literacy. And, and I, I may even make this relevant in our lives if, if we hang on right. Okay, um, let me start with a new sheet of paper. So we have Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, or we could see them as the letters. Okay, either one of those would be a good set of the Latin letters. 
All right? Now, let me tell you a story. In Old Testament times, when they're writing this Bible stuff, they did not write any vowels. You all know the vowels, right? A, E, I, O, U, and sometimes Y. Okay? They didn't write vowels in the Hebrew. So if I wanted to write um, Becky, I would just write B-C-K. And, and it's actually Becky. But, you know, you don't know any better. You might think I wrote, you know, that I'm talking about the deer out there that I, I nailed. And it'd be buck. Or you want to want to make a quick buck. You know, it could be the same thing. Or it could be a, a, a kind of car that I want. It could be a Buick. Right? All you get in Hebrew is you just get the vowel, uh, the consonants. You don't get the vowels. So for this word, we don't have the vowels. And that was fine as long as everybody was speaking the language because you can figure it out. You can say, um, uh, uh, you know, how much did it cost? Oh, it cost a buck. And you read the BCK and you don't think it cost a Buick. You know, you're talking about you know, a pencil. But you don't trade a Buick for it. You don't think it cost a Beck key. You know, it, it cost a buck. So you, you can figure it out. Well, the problem happened as the Hebrew language died out, the, the Hebrew scholars that were in charge of writing the Bible and keeping copies of it because the Xerox machine hadn't been invented yet, okay? Um, these guys thought, oh my lands, people are going to forget how to pronounce these words. We need to at least indicate how to pronounce the words. But the scholars were not about to add one letter to the Bible. So they didn't add vowels. Instead, what they did is they came up with this little marking system. It looks like chicken scratch that kind of indicates to you how you're supposed to pronounce these letters. And so they'll put these little dots all around and I mean, it just looks like chicken scratch. Actually, it doesn't really look like that. Um, if you put a dot up here, it's got an O sound. If you put two dots down here, it's got an E sound. If you put three dots down here, it's got an S sound. If you put a line down there, it's got an ah sound. If you put two dots like a colon, it's got a, a, a stop sound where you, you act like you just choked on something when you said it. Um, they put all these things in there so that you can read the Hebrew Bible and know what it's pronounced like. So when you see BCK, you know when it's Becky or when it's a Buick. Okay? Um, and, and you read the Hebrew Old Testament and you've got these wonderful vows. They did that everywhere except one place. There's one word they refuse to put any sounds for, any vowel sounds for. Do you know what word it is? It's the same word. This is a mystery word. So we have Y-H-W-H or J-H-V-H and we don't know what vowels went with it. Do you know why they did not put vowels with that word? Because you're never supposed to say the word in the Hebrew mentality. This word is so holy, if you say it, you've blasphemed God and lightning should strike. And if lightning doesn't strike, every good Jew should pick up rocks and stone you. 
Do you know why? Let me tell you why. Because this is not a title. This is not Lord in the sense of my Lord with a bow. This is not a title of God. This is a personal name. This is the personal name of God given to Moses. If we go back to Exodus chapter 3, Moses is talking, having this conversation with the burning bush and God. And in verse 13, Moses says, okay, well, hypothetical situation. Just suppose I go to the Israelites. And just suppose I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. They're going to say, well, what's his name? What am I supposed to tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am Yahweh. My name is Yahweh. And you tell them that. The name here that is used is the name of God. And it is considered so holy by the Jews that they will not ever pronounce it. If you are a good Jew today and you're reading through your Hebrew Old Testament, when you come across Yahweh, you don't say Yahweh. You say either Adonai, which means just my Lord, or you say Hashem, which means the name. So you're reading along and it says, you know, you, instead of like verse 15 where it says, uh, make sure we're all on this together. Uh, verse, uh, look at this. All right. Verse uh, 16. Can you all see that? Okay. Verse 16. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, Yahweh. See, you and I know when the word Yahweh is in the Hebrew, when it's the name of God, because that's when the Bible translators use all capital letters for Lord. When you see a capital L, right up here, capital L with smaller capitals for O-R-D, then you have Yahweh in the original Hebrew, the name of God. A good Hebrew reading along will not say Yahweh. I remember in one of my, uh, I guess it was first or second year Hebrew class, um, uh, we were reading and there was this one girl that never came to class and she didn't know squat and wasn't learning squat either, but she just figured it didn't matter. And uh, um, she, uh, uh, I guess it was first year Hebrew, she didn't make it out. Um, she, we were reading and, and she's reading along and she comes across Yahweh. Well, Yahweh doesn't have any vowels. She struggles for five minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce it. Yahweh, And the teacher's Jewish, and, and he's cringing. And he's looking for lightning to strike. Because, yeah, and he's trying to say, you know, he can't even get the words out. Please, please, please don't say that word. Because it's too holy a word. That's the name of God, Yahweh. And so, um, as we read... Now, here's an interesting idea. You remember we had, uh, yeah, I'm still on this, aren't I? You remember we had Adonai, 
the Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I, for uh, vowels. In Latin, if you take this into Latin, Adonai into Latin, it's actually Adonai. Okay, same thing, that's Adonai in Latin. Do you know what around 1100 A.D. some Bible translators tried to do? They didn't have the bright idea of writing uh, um, Lord like this every time they saw Yahweh. So they just decided to take the Latin letters, J, H, V, A. And for vowels, they'd just take the vowels from Adonai, which is what good Hebrews said anyway. And so they'd stuck in J, E, H, O, V, A, H. And that's where the word Jehovah comes from. See, Jehovah, you've heard Jehovah God. Jehovah's just some made-up version of Yahweh because of a desire to put something in the text that, that signifies this is the name of God. If you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, one of the things they love to talk to you about is, um, wouldn't you like to be... I, I got to confess to you. Yeah, these Ten Commandments, they're going to go real quick. I got to confess to you. I love, especially in days gone by when I had more time on my hands, I would love to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. I'm the kind of uh, nerd who would go visit the, the Mormon tabernacle in Salt Lake City and fill out the card begging them to come to my door. Okay. Um, yeah. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they'd come to my door and they'd say, Hi, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. Can we talk to you? Or we're from Kingdom Hall. Can we talk to you? And my attitude was, absolutely, come on in, get a comfortable chair, we're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> and they'd say, well, you know, are, are you a, a, a Jehovah's Witness? And I'd say, well, no, <laughs> I'm a Christian. But hang on, you may be too by the time we're through. <laughs> and uh, one of the things they love to talk to you about is, well, do you have a name? Yes, my name is Mark. Well, if your name is Mark, would you like people to just walk around and call you him or it or person? And I said, no, generally not. And they'll say, say, well, how do you think God feels, Jehovah feels when people walk around and call him God? We know his name is Jehovah. We should be calling him Jehovah. And I say, oh yeah? You think his name's Jehovah. You've, that's like you walking around calling me Fred. Okay? You've been calling him the wrong name all your life. You even put the wrong name on your building. How do you think he feels? No. <laughs> You um, <laughs> when I was in my, my real first name is William. When I was in uh, 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 fourth grade, Miss Offenson, who uh, somewhere God will teach me forgiveness in my heart, um, she thought since my name was William Mark, she would call me William, because though my parents chose to call me by my middle name, they should not have named me William if they didn't want to call me William. And after three weeks of school, she called my mom and dad in or called my mom in because I was so disrespectful. I wouldn't even answer her when she called. And I said, hey, give me a break. I don't know you're talking to me. You know, I've never answered to William in my whole life. You keep saying William. I don't know who else is in here, but that's not me. I'm Mark. You want my answer? Call me. Okay. Well, these Jehovah's Witnesses, you've been calling Yahweh Jehovah for just a little too long. Fortunately, God, I think, speaks a lot of different languages and probably picked up on it. But um, <laughs> this is all helpful. Yahweh is a per whoa tablet. Yahweh is a personal name. It's a reference to God in a personal sense. Here is the zinger before I leave this point. 
God makes himself known to you by his name. God knows your name. He wants you to know his. God did not come into a relationship with you where God is so far removed from you that you cannot deal with him one-on-one. The only intermediary you need between you and God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the death of Jesus Christ for our sins, God is there to hear us on a name-to-name basis. And you can pray to him as Jehovah. You can pray to him as Yahweh. You can pray to him as God. You can pray to him as Father. But God is here to relate to you one-to-one. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter where you're going. God is willing to meet you on a name-to-name basis. And that is the God who is so big he can't be held in the singular. Okay? Um, Oh, what does it mean? Yahweh probably means I am. It might mean I will be, but it probably means I am. Now, why you say, don't they just, why can't you read it? Just say I am. Hebrew, old Hebrew, didn't have a present tense. You can't say I am in Hebrew in a present tense sense. Doesn't have it. Some scholars believe it's because God said I am, God was claiming to be the present tense. And to even speak in the present tense is to tread upon God. There is no present tense in Hebrew. Here's a freebie, but it's worth noting. In John, in the New Testament, John chapter 6, Jesus is being probed by the, the Pharisees and stuff. And they're trying to ask him all of this junk and, and uh, challenging who he is and his, and his right to speak to him. And in the process, um, Jesus says, this is not in John 54. I mean, John 16, 54. Um, John 6, 54. Yeah. I did this by memory and I blew it. It's, it's 8. Does anybody know where I'm going? Yes. It's 8, 54 to 56. Sorry. Um, the Jews are saying, hey, you're demon-possessed. Abraham's dead, yada, yada, yada. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Oh, Jesus says, hey, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. And the Jews says, hey, you're an insane freak. Abraham's been dead yada yada years. You're not even 50 years old. How could Abraham be excited about seeing you? And in verse 58, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. See, Jesus said Yahweh. Before Abraham was born, there was Yahweh. And Jesus was claiming to be Yahweh. Claiming to be the personal God. And it's because Jesus says, I am, verse 59, at this they picked up stones to stone him. And Jesus hid himself, slipping away, because it was blasphemy. Okay, Ten Commandments. Let's cruise through them. Oh, Psalm 8, 1 is another great one that shows this. It says, O Lord, our Lord. That's O Yahweh, our Adonai. How majestic is your name in all the earth. And there are tons more. Ten Commandments. They're divided up into two groups. This is the Edward Fudge speed lesson for the <laughs> speed drill for the last three minutes. Let's cover the rest of the Bible. Ready? Um, the Ten Commandments are covered in two groups. The first commandments deal with our relationship with God. They say, number one, you're not supposed to have any other gods. Okay? Secret. We all do. 
we should try to get rid of them. Our God often is our appetite. Our God often is a new car or a material possession. Our God is often a hero that we work around or see. Our God is often uh, the TV, and that's what we worship, and that's what we spend our time with. God says, no, not supposed to have any others. Don't worship any images either. No make-believe gods. Okay? Don't take God's name in vain. That does not mean don't walk around going Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. Okay? That's the name of God. We've talked about it. But by name here, the Hebrew means all that He is. All of His power. All of His glory. All of His majesty. You and I take God's name in vain when we think we're stuck in a circumstance God can't help us in. We're taking too lightly who our God is. Because He is all we need. And He will help us in our time of trouble. Um, Sabbath, keep it holy. Um, I got an email from somebody saying, How come Christians don't keep the Sabbath, seventh day of the week anymore? Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a Ten Commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy. The Sabbath is Saturday, yes. But we need to understand that we have been taught through the Christian faith that Jesus said, I'm actually the Lord of the Sabbath. And when Jesus died and was resurrected, He established for us His rest that we now enter into. We no longer work to please God. We please God by our faith in Jesus Christ and His work. And when we enter His Sabbath rest, we celebrate that on Sunday, which is His resurrection day and the day the rest became available to us. And that's historically why Christian worship is on Sunday instead of Saturday. Uh, the Sabbath is honored as a Sunday. Um, then the last six commandments deal man with man. Parents, you're to honor your father and your mother. That doesn't just mean be polite to them and be respectful to them. That means not, it does mean to be polite. It does mean to be respectful. It also means to take care of them in their old age. It also means to uh, see that they are uh, treated uh, as they should be treated. Um, we're not to murder. That's a pretty easy one. Although Jesus says it extends even to your heart, you shouldn't hate. Um, we're not to commit adultery. Uh, there's not a footnote on that, making it okay in certain circumstances. It's not okay. We're not to do it. We're not to steal. What's yours is not to be... Uh, um, uh, what someone else's is not to be taken as yours. Uh, um, I don't know if that extends to plagiarism. If so, I'm in trouble because I steal ideas all the time, not in a published sense, but you know, as a... As a uh, lawyer, uh, half of what I do, I pick up from other people. But I don't think that's stealing. That's more misappropriation. And, um, <laughs> you know, I've studied the law legally. That's not theft. Um, no, you're not to steal. Uh, and I, I use that as an illustration because we need to be people who give credit. We need to be people who recognize other people. We don't live to build ourselves up. We live to build others up. Um, and you're not supposed to bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, stop the lying, that kind of stuff. And then, uh, uh, as Kevin Parker, my good friend, would say, be above it, don't covet. Um, uh, we are, he's got a song for all Ten Commandments, and I don't remember much except, be above it, don't covet. Um, it's not going to be on the radio, okay? It's not, a best, it's not like a catchy tune. Um, uh, coveting, uh, the root of that is we're not happy with our place in life, and we want someone else's place. 
And God says, be happy where you are or grow where you are. Be happy with the route you have with God, uh, basically. So those are the Ten Commandments. If you're into reading for next week, start reading with Exodus chapter 20. And uh, read through and we're going to talk about the wilderness wanderings of the Jews. Uh, if I can figure out how to do it, we'll feature a Keith Green song entitled, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt? It's got Bob Dylan on the harmonica. If I can't figure out how to do it, uh, I'll sing. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you so much for the love that you give us. Lord, we thank you that you call us by name and that you offer us your name. We thank you that in all your majesty and splendor, you still seek out individual attention with us. We are honored to be your children. We are honored to be your servants. We are honored to call you Lord. And we are honored to make you master of our lives. We pray through Jesus. Amen.